Pittsburgh Steeler fans, what's going on? This is Jeff Hartman, editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com with you for another episode of the Steelers Preview Show. Joining me as always, the triumphant trio. That's myself. That's Brian Anthony Davis and Dave Schofield. Brian, what's going on? Hello, my friends, and welcome to a new decade. Will it be like Motley Crue, a decade of decadence? It's. I hate when people say that. Not the Motley Crue thing. Just it's the the decade thing sounds like it just seems like way too much time has passed. I just I don't like it. Time needs to slow down. Dave, what's going on with you? Yeah, that kind of got me depressed a little bit too. Whenever uh, my kids who who are younger, my two older kids that are eight and 11 stayed up till midnight and they were talking about, Oh, it's a new decade in 10 years. I'm going to be this, that, the other. I, uh, uh, yeah, I'm like in 10 years, I just hope to still be here. <laughs> <laughs> who knows what these podcasts will look like in 10 years, guys. I mean, it, it could be, uh, who knows the sky is the limit, but go ahead, Dave. Do you say oh, I was just going to say, look at the, look, look at uh, BTSC podcasts. The lat when the last decade started, there was no such thing. Was there? Gosh, there was a there was a viewer that went back and dug up the very first YouTube video that we did, and it was Lance Williams and myself. The standard is a standard, and we did this. I was in my mother in law's basement. We were in between houses, and I had hair a lot more than I do now. And it was right after the Bears game where the protests took place before the the game and. Look how far we've come. So we'll just say you never know. We never know what's going to happen. But let's start off with the Around the Horn segment, which is what we normally do if you're a first-time listener to this show, where we both take a minute to talk about anything that happened with the Pittsburgh Steelers in this past week. Uh, Brian, you're looking sharp and spiffy in your vest. Why don't we start with you? Well, you know, every girl's crazy about a sharp-dressed man, Jeff. And As Dave. easy talk one set, yeah. <laughs> yes, right. exactly. <laughs> you, you know, um, first of all, I can't wait for the new decade of podcasts 10 years from now. Lance will be with an animatronic figure, probably. That'd be great. <laughs> I, I definitely want to see that. I think that'd be a whole lot of fun. Uh, you know, what's really happened this week? I, I know we've had uh, some stuff, you know, Hall of Fame news, but with the Steelers, basically the bottom line to everything is the fact that Mason Rudolph is your number two quarterback next year, and Mike Tomlin said pretty much nothing else. Um, you know, he's proud of this team. We're proud of this team. That's great. But what most of Steeler Nation wants is to hear what coaches are going to be gone. And I have news for you. There's going to be no news as far as coaches being gone. Don't expect to hear much of anything. What you have is what you're going to see in August and September and beyond. Do you, Dave, do you think there might be a coaching change? I mean, I thought Tomlin was open to that in his press conference. Yeah, I think he's open to that because he just kind of didn't want to I don't know. Is it that he not didn't want to address it specifically? And by saying he's open to it, that kind of leaves some wiggle room in there. But I don't see anything major, honestly. I, I would like to see, if I see anything from it, I would like to see more additions than subtractions. I would really like them to expand their coaching, spat, coaching staff by a couple positions. Yeah, we've had, the Steelers have had some coaches come and go over the past few years. I mean, look at like last year, Joey Porter wasn't welcome back. 
Um, they haven't been firing them. They always use the old, well, their contract expired, stuff like that. The Bruce Darian retirement fiasco, which we can all remember that. Um, I think there's at least going to be one change. I'm not sure who that'll be, but, and I don't think I agree with Dave. It's not going to be major, but I think there's going to be at least one change in the coaching staff. I'm not sure who that is. If they haven't gotten rid of Danny Smith yet, they're not going to. And we've talked ad nauseum about Randy Feetner. Keith Butler's contract is up. Maybe he decides he doesn't want to come back. Maybe are he's they, done. Are they going to redefine Coach Sherman as something else and, and have a new wide receivers coach? Right. he was not the wide receivers coach until he had to step up to it. Exactly. So is he still have the interim tag? So th- th- there's going to be some change a little bit. Um, Dave, why don't you go ahead with your around the horn segment? Well, then I'll, I'll take what Brian alluded to just because it's easy that we had another announcement of Hall of Fame, as I guess it would be semifinalists or, or I guess um, in, in order to before they do the last cut down the day before the Super Bowl. And of the since they're doing the special 20 class in 2020, they will have their five players. And of those, I think, was it 15 that were selected? I'm pretty sure. It'll be five out of the 15 with two Steelers. Well, no, no, they'll do twenty for the for the actual thing, but the 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 regular player semifinalist oh, yes. was fifteen, exactly, um, which included first year eligible Troy Palomalu and fifth year Alan Fanica, but did not include Juan Hines Ward, who was a who was a semifinalist last year. Was he? A, but this was the finalist. Yeah, he's, well, he's no. never reached the finalist echelon. Um, Hines has not. He's yes. been a semifinalist. That's as far as far as he's gotten. Yeah. These I, are your I, finalists, basically. Yeah. Yeah. I can't remember how they classified if these are semifinalists, narrative fininalists, or do they call the finalists the inductees, or do they go no, finalists no, no, no. to inductees? Or it's it's always confusing with how they'd say the word. You have finalists, and then you have your class of 2020, the people that are going to be inducted. So this is this this is the spot where Alan Fanick has been here now for five straight years mm-hmm. and has been denied every single time. I cannot fathom how they left him off last year. And it'll be interesting to see if he gets in this year because I think this year's crop of players, everyone does the numbers. I know Brian knows what I'm talking about, where they look at all the different players and who's worthy to be the first player, like first ballot get in guys, and who's not, and would, all this stuff. So, you know what? Um, he failed the swimsuit competition last year. I think that was the problem. <laughs> but the biggest problem with Alan Fanica is the fact that he has to deal with Steve Hutchinson which I actually think that Alan Fanica is a better player, a better option in hall, in the Hall of Fame balloting than Steve Hutchinson. The problem with that, though, is if one goes, the other's not going. So if here's the thing. If Fanica does not go this year, you're hoping, you're hoping that Hutchinson goes just to get him off of there. So he's he's complete. You hope he goes in so that that paves the way for him. Fanica is a Hall of Fame player. Absolutely. I, I don't think yeah. anyone that watched him play would say any other any other nine Pro Bowls, six time first team All Pro. I mean, that's <clears throat> he he had he had better he had a better resume than one of the players that made it in last year as an offensive lineman. I don't understand why he didn't make it last year. So politics, man, politics. Yeah. So let's, Steeler and, bias. 
<laughs> yeah. Well, and, and you know, right now the Steelers are pumping up Donnie shell to be in that to that. What is it? What are they calling it? This, uh, the legacy class. Yes. yes. And they, they're and putting in 10 of them. He's, he's their the best name out of all of those. He's the he best doesn't name. get in. If he doesn't get in with this class, there's a lot of people that think there's no chance he gets in. Oh, but yeah, yeah, this is his opportunity. Th- this is it, and which really bums me out because Elsie Greenwood yes. is well, that's a what I was Hall of Fame he, He's better than that. 15 of the guys that they had on the list, but they just weren't going to include two Steelers from that era, which is ridiculous. Well, that's what I was going to bring up as part of my around the horn segment to piggyback off Dave, is that everyone's pumping up Donnie Shell, which rightfully so, he deserves to be in, but... What about guys like L.C. Greenwood, who's also yeah. worthy? I mean, I just don't know how the Steelers can say, we're going to pump up Donnie Shell, and thankfully he's still living. But L.C. Greenwood, who's since passed away, we're not going to talk about him. We're not going to have you Twitter clips of Mel Blunt talking about, where's where's the Twitter video of, of you know, Mean Joe Green talking about LC Greenwood and playing alongside him on the steel curtain. Um, and you guys just kind of touched on that because, yeah, he is Hall of Fame worthy. But here's my question, simple question, and I want you to be honest. This is difficult to take your black and gold glasses off when I ask this question. And I just want an honest, honest to goodness answer. Is Heinz Ward ever going to get into the Hall of Fame? Think about it. Okay, Brian, we'll start with you. If he does, it's a veterans committee. It will be 30 years down the road or 25 years down the road. Okay. I'm not going to say what I think just yet. Dave, what about you? If I take off my black and gold glasses, then the answer has to be no. If I leave them on, I'm going to say yes. But by taking them out, by taking them off, because he was loved by so many Steeler fans, but he was hated by so many by basically everybody else. So therefore, I think that's going to, I mean, well, that, he, see, that, that he didn't have the fantastic numbers that some of these. No, but that, that's the key because hatred and stuff doesn't matter. Trell Owens got in. Tio was hated by everyone unless he was on your specific team. And Heinz Ward played the game the right way. Some people thought he was a little dirty, had a little chip on his shoulder all the time. And Steeler fans, trust me, I can only think of a handful of players in my lifetime that have had a rabid following like Heinz Ward and it, as they called it, Heinz field, the psycho ward, you know, that people loved, loved and still do love Heinz Ward. Heinz Ward could be the mayor of, of Pittsburgh still, or at least come close to winning it. And it's just, a, he doesn't have those, eye, those eye popping numbers to back up some of the other stuff that he does. Like he has a rule named after him, you know, with the crackback block, he was in a Super Bowl MVP. He won two Super Bowls. Those are all great. But if he were to have those eye popping stats, I mean, you look at some of the receivers that aren't in that have better statistics and some would say were better receivers than Heinz Ward. It just makes it that much more daunting. I agree with Brian. If he gets in, it's not going to be on the regular old ballot. It's going to be as a, what is that called again, Brian? The Veterans Committee. The Veterans Committee. Correct. There you go. There you go. So if you're in the live chat and you, and you, I want to know what you think about that. I want to know if you think that Heinz Ward, not should he be in, any Steeler fan is going to say that he should, but if you're being honest with yourself, will he get in? I want him in there. 
Well, we all want him in there. No yeah, I know, I know. I'm, I'm saying, yeah, but you missed my butt, my big butt that was coming next. <laughs> but I just don't think it's going to happen. Because it's going to yeah. come down to year, year in and year out. Is there going to be one wide receiver that's eligible that's better than him? And has the and bigger, and has the better numbers. That's what it'll all come down to. Because so who was it this two. year? Who was it this year? Um, Isaac Bruce is Is he? Did he make the finalists? Oh, I had the finalists here. Hold on. Um, yeah, I'd like to see that list. Um, one person, Jeff, that we didn't talk about in this whole thing are two uh, two Steeler coaches that are that could be among the six. But it's a very big. It's a it's a very prestigious list. And that would be uh, Bill Cower and Buddy Parker. Yes, they're on the list for the for the three coaching spots. Yes, um, there yeah. were there are three were th- uh, sorry three wide receivers that are that are finalists, and they are <laughs> um, two of them are kind of going to cancel each other out because of being teammates. But they are Reggie Wayne, Tory Holt, and Isaac Bruce. So they had wouldn't you say that those three players are all better receivers than Heinz Ward? Well, that's why they made it ahead of Ron. No, no Ron I know, I know, but you, if I don't think all three are going to get in. No, so they're I'd not. say Reggie Wayne. No, um, yeah, they Morgan all had Harrison. better numbers, but yeah, and and uh, I don't really think he was as special as what Harrison was there. Um, for the difference that Heinz Ward made for the Steelers, that's another thing that should be looked at that won't be. Um, Tory Holt, you know, he was, uh, you just mentioned he was next to Isaac Bruce. So, you know, those Marshall talk. Yeah. I mean, I don't think Tory Holt's Holt's a hall of famer either. I wouldn't be shocked if this year there are no wide receivers. If none of those three get in, that's the worst case scenario for Hines. Yeah. And that's going to be the problem is he needs these guys that are ahead of him to all get in first. Exactly what Brian was talking about with Fanica. Yeah. But the problem is they're going to keep the wide receivers going to keep lining up every year. There are yeah. new ones lining up every year that they don't happen as much with the offensive linemen. Yeah. Cause was, is, was this Reggie Wayne's first year? I think, I think he was it, eligible. I think yeah. it is his first year of Ella. Of eligibility, there's only two guys with um in the final 15 that are eligible for the first time, and it's Troy and Reggie Wayne. Okay, that's what I thought. Real quick, no brainer. No, everyone thinks Troy gets in first ballot, correct? Yeah, he should. He, I would probably be shocked. Ed Reed gets in first ballot, and Heinz Ward doesn't. You might have to come and get me. I might be going to the loony, but I'm gonna go off. Yeah, it just <laughs> it all comes hard. down to who you're against, and that's the problem. And I mean, um, the other safeties that he's up against are John Lynch, Steve Atwater, and Leroy Butler. The NFL wants Troy Palomalu in there. I yes. talked about a uh, Steeler bias, but every year, and you might be laughing at me when I mention the WWE Hall of Fame, but every year you look for any Hall of Fame looks for a headliner. Now you're and right. The NFL does it too. And so there's always that headliner to close the show that's the face of the list. And I have a feeling they want Troy Palomalu to be the face of the list, just like next year the face of the list will be Peyton Manning. Now, let, let me say this. It, I would be really, really excited and also 
interested. We'll, we'll use the word interested to hear Troy's speech. I just want to hear what he has to say about the Steelers. We've all heard about how the two parties just at, at the end, it just got a little bitter. Uh, Troy wanted to keep playing. The Steelers were like, I think we're done. We're done here. Um, he hasn't really been back since then. Um, we haven't heard much about him. I'm really be curious to hear what he has to say. Um, and But let's say Fanica and Troy get in. Are the Steelers in the Hall of Fame game? Yes. Yeah, because you're going to have Donnie Shell as well. So you get three. You're going to that place is going to be a terrible towel maniacs haven, as Myron Cope used to say. Um, so yeah, they're going to. I think they would have have five preseason games. Yeah, they. I am almost certain that they will get in. Um, the last time they got in, uh, it was uh, fourteen. I believe it was fourteen. Um, and the guy that uh, got in at the time was Jerome Bettis. Well, yeah, because so they, they piggybacked on top of that. Who did and they, they play? And wasn't that what the infamous? Like, what was when um, Sean, Sean Sweetsham hurt his knee? Yeah, against yeah. Minnesota. Field. It was against the Vikings. It's against Minnesota. Now, who was the other, the previous Hall of Fame game against before that? Oh, I could tell you that because my son was just born. And I was in the hospital um, trying to watch the Saints and the uh, the Saints and the Steelers. Very good. Very and good. Uh, correct. Yeah, my that was the day after my son was born. Yeah, I have family that lives in Canton, Ohio, and um, they always buy me Steeler like commemorative cups when they are in a in the Hall of Fame game. And that so stuff I have, is cool. I yeah. went one year, and I went the John Stallworth year, and that was also Jim Kelly was the headliner. But John Stall, it was awesome. And I actually, this was 2002. I had a, uh, I was wearing eye black and just a Steeler helmet. And it was just, it was the hottest day. And I just had like a regular Steeler t-shirt. Um, and I remember he was, he was saying, uh, and I'd like to thank the fans of Western Pennsylvania. And I just remember standing up and clapping. And then everybody back home saw me because I mean, this playing day, there's me for five seconds clapping um, for John Starworth. That was just a beautiful, it, it was beautiful to watch the entire extravaganza. That is the hall of fame induction. If you ever get a chance to go, go, it, it is really cool. And, but that was back when they used to have it on the front steps. Uh, was it not, or was no, I'm sorry. That no. was, that was still that was back. That was back on back. Okay, you this said stadium. You said Stallworth. Yes, John okay. Stallworth in O two. Excuse me. Okay, Dave, you have a stat geek for us. Sorry for all the Hall of Fame yeah. talk, folks. I like talking <laughs> about the fun. Hall of Fame. Go yeah, ahead, here's just a couple things. I'm, I wanted to talk about um, highs and lows of 2019. So I'm going to specifically look at um, one high stat and one low stat. Do you guys want to start with the positive or the negative? Do you want to look at the what was so great or what was so not great? I think we need positive. You want to start with the positive? Right. Okay. So say, yeah. what would you say was the most, um, I would say, what, what do you think stood out as the best statistic for the Steelers for the 2019 season? Are we talking team uh, or individual? Team. Any, anything, team. Uh, anything on defense? <laughs> yeah. What? Anything specific on defense? 
How about um, how about the takeaways? I was going to say turnovers. Yeah. Yes, their takeaways, and and they had thirty eight takeaways this year. That is the most that they have had since nineteen ninety six when they had forty. But is that, a, is that a, is that a franchise record? Forty? No, they've they've had in the fifties a bunch before. Remember the takeaways used? To, oh yeah, the takeaways used to be much bigger numbers than what they are today. Uh, okay. But the thing that is interesting is they did something well these stats go back to 1940 that's as far back as i could go uh using pro football reference i didn't try to find the other seven years just to make sure and nothing <laughs> happened in those seven years <laughs> exactly the I don't even record them. when they were the pirates yeah. yeah so this was the first time in franchise history that the steelers doubled their takeaways from one year to the next and they more than doubled it. They had an increase of 23 because they only had 15 last year, which it was a franchise tied for the franchise low for them to bounce back and more than double it in 2019. Now, so they were plus 23. The next closest in the history of the franchise of where the of the number of of takeaways they had from one season to the next was kind of cheating. And it was 20. And that was from 82 to 83 because of. Any idea why it was why they had such an increase in turnovers going from 1982 to 1983? Yes, because they only played nine games in 1982 because of the strike. Because they only played nine games in 1982 because oh, of the strike. Gosh. And, so, and I tell you what, that that was a dreadful that was dreadful every week. I'm 11 years old. Every week, I'm like, will you just please come back and play? <laughs> yeah, and and I mean they they still had. Because they, they went from 25 to 45. So this was the biggest jump in franchise history that they've ever had in takeaways. So that's that's a high. That's a positive. Now let's look at the low. What what do you think was a pretty low team statistic for this year that could have maybe been somewhat well, it's not offense. completely legendary. Yeah, rushing yards. Offense. Rushing yards is a good one. How I about was just, just gonna say just the, the offense in general? How about points scored? <laughs> Oh yeah, this was the worst since uh, you probably you probably know the number. What was it like eighty three? It actually was the worst for, since ninety eight. Ninety eight, yeah, the Cordell year. And now remember, how much has the NFL changed to where we just score more points now? So for them to be this low compared to these other years, it's 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 pretty bad. They they had two hundred eighty nine points this year, and they had two hundred sixty three and ninety eight. Um. The thing is, is the drop-off in points. This is the most drop-off in points. Well, it's actually technically the second most drop-off in points from one season to the next. They went they went from, oh, I didn't write down that number, but they lost 100. They were down 139 points. They were 400 and something last year, down to, down to 289. The only, there's only been two other times in the history of the franchise where they had a decrease of, a, of 100 points scored or more. One was from 97 to 98, that bad 98 year. They had dropped 109 points. And uh, the other one is, I don't think even counts, although it's the most, is the 152 points, which once again brings in the 1982 season, where from 81 to 82, they went from 356 to 204. But the reason that doesn't count is because even with 204 points scored, because it was the strike year, they actually averaged – 0.4 more points a game than they did the, the year before, even though it was that big drop in number. So 
that doesn't really count because their points per game wasn't much. So this was this was the biggest drop in uh, basically in the history of the Steelers from offensive points scored from one year to the next, but it was the biggest jump they had in takeaways from one year to the next. I think the saddest yeah. part of all those offensive stats is the fact that 1982, their leading rusher beat the leading rusher this year. This is the first time <laughs> since 1967 that the Steelers had a leading rusher under 500 yards. I was getting ready to to, to look up that one, but I didn't want to have too many different things all at once. So uh, I think well, I'll we'll like throw that Dave, in an article. Deontay Johnson's five touchdowns led the entire team this year. I think yes. it's five. Five. It was awful. It was awful as, as awful can get. But is that it, Dave? Good stat geek? Yep. That's stat hey, geek. Hey, Dave, can you look one up for me when you get a chance? Not now? Sure. I thought something was amazing. You talked about the turnovers on defense. This is the first time in any memory that I could remember having two Steelers have five interceptions or more. Ooh. And this is, um, I'm wondering when the last time that happened. So who who were the I know Hayden had five and Minka, Minka did, did Minka did he have five Minka had five right away uh, gotcha. I mean like by week nine or ten yeah I think yeah had, I'll I, have I to, think I'll have to look that up I mean because we also know we can look at those sack numbers of two um, where we know where that goes back to with two guys in double digits there as well so we've got some good stuff to talk about about the past season um, as time goes on. Yeah, speaking of that past season, 2019 was was memorable. We'll put it that way. Before we get into our next topic of conversation, I want to remind all the fans out there that you can help the show out in a myriad of ways. If you'd like to donate some money to the program, you can by using the Super Chat feature down in the comment box. To the right is a small little dollar sign. You can hit that little button. Donate any amount of money you want to the program. It's all appreciative, and that's how we've gotten these Brand spanking new microphones. All of us got them. It's you can't see Brian's, but you see Dave's hovering there. Uh, and Lance has his as well. Up oh, there it is. Very nice. So we appreciate all the support from people that have monetarily helped the program and donated money via the super chat. Also, if you don't want to donate money, we get it. A lot of people, times are tough right now after the holidays. And so you can just like the video. If you just like the video, subscribe to the channel. And make sure that you set up your notifications so that you do not miss any shows. That would be the best. Um, Ali suggested the Super Chat needs to go to BAD's Curtain Fund. I know Brian's wife is getting pretty ticked off at you all for making fun of her curtains. And and you know what? She's really nice. Jeff, you've met her. She's nicer than I am. I've met her several times. Yeah, she's very nice. That's her. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Other than that, if you're listening to... um, if you're listening to the show via audio platforms, whatever platform you're using, whether it's uh, you know iTunes, Google Play, give us a good review. And that really helps us out because when people are thinking about, oh, I want to hear a Steeler podcast and they type in Steelers, we want us to be one of the first things that show up. And that's why all those likes and comments and ratings and reviews, they all help. Trust us. They all help. All right, so let's get into 2019. That's going to be the topic of conversation for this episode. I want to start off with a question that Brian had as the headline or the title of his show on Monday, The Steelers Hangover with Tony, which was a great show. Go back and check it out if you haven't yet. And that is, now that it's done, 
now that it's over, 2019 is, is not only the year is in the books, but the season for the Steelers is also in the books. When you look back on it, how will the, how will you view the season? Okay. Because it, it was, it was so unique in so many different ways. I'm going to have Dave go first and then I'll let Brian go. So Dave, how are you going to view this past season? I I would say I'm going to view it as a as a shifting of the guard or a changing of the guard that it went from where this team went back from being defined by its offense and just hoped that the defense didn't kill them to where it was defined by the defense and was just hoping that the offense didn't kill them. So okay. that's that's it, it it was just it was the shift. But do you view it positively, negatively? Well, that's what happens when you shift the, I, you, you view the defense positively and the offense yeah. negatively, but I'm hoping that the offense could bounce back a little bit. I know some people still don't believe it, but I have hope that Benjamin Todd Roethlisberger will be back under center in 2020. What about you there, Brian? How do you view it? I'm going to use one word. I'm going to try this out. Pride. This is a proud team. This is a team that got beaten down early, and I talk about this all the time. Only reason the Dolphins made the trade with them because they thought they were going to fold like a cheap suit. They did not. This was a team proud enough in what they can do, not only the team but the coaching staff, to go ahead and fight every single week to get where they were. At the end, the pride never ran out. Their ability, their I mean, what they can do, just ran out at the end. I those last three games, scoring only ten points each week. That wasn't because it was a bad football team. It was a wounded football team that their pride couldn't carry them much longer. But when we talk about pride, I'm proud. I'm proud of this team. I it just ended with a whimper because we got to the point where we we're so excited because they're eight and five and they're going to make the playoffs. Everybody's assuming they're going to make the playoffs. There's three games left and they're going to do it. But we realize that just the Doc Hodges story just ran out of gas. And when you are playing with your fourth and fifth options at quarterback, two guys that were on their couches in September, that's a problem. And no matter how how you push these guys and what they do bottom line is coaches look at tape and they they figured out duck hodges right away this isn't duck hodges fault i mean he was playing with house money like you say all the time jeff but they went for it they they were that was a really exciting year to watch them week after week win with mirrors and do what they did so that's why i'm so proud of this team I'm going to go and say that this was a both a, an extremely fun and frustrating season at the same time. Um, it, there were moments where it was it was a blast watching these guys, whether it was Mason Rudolph early on who was finding ways to win, even if it was just checking checking the ball down repeatedly, um, whether it was Devlin Hodges coming in for the first time in spot duty in Week 12 or when he won out in L.A. against the Chargers on Sunday Night Football. This this season, if anything, you tuned in because you just didn't know what you were going to see. And sometimes that was awesome, and sometimes it was, I'm going to bang my head against the wall because this offense is just that bad. And then let's also not forget something that Dave mentioned, and that's the defense. 
who was going to make the play for once you knew someone was going to make the play, but who was going to make the play TJ Watt, Bud Dupree, Minka Fitzpatrick, who comes over this season was a lot of fun for me. Like I, I really did enjoy this season. And we, we said it a bunch of times throughout the season, um, especially on their win streaks that they went on on a couple different occasions. And when they got themselves in eight and five, and everyone's thinking they're going to make the playoffs is they're playing with house money. That's what we always kept saying. Man, they're playing with house money. It almost seemed as if the house money ran out and they started using their own money. And anyone that's been around gamblers, sometimes it's really tough to just step away from the table. And and so they they were on a hot streak. And if they're playing blackjack, they're just, I've got you, bang, bang, bang. And then all of a sudden, things went cold real quick. And the house started to collect because the house always collects, <laughs> as it seems. And I so... Think. It just seems like it's it's one of those situations where it, it just seemed like it just ran out. They ran out of gas. They ran out of money. Whatever you want to, whatever you know, however you want to say it. It, it would, but it, it was a lot of fun. I really thought that this season was fun, and I said the same about the Tommy Gunn era back when Tommy Maddox was the quarterback. That season was a lot of fun. You know, I mean, when they made the playoffs, that was uh, two thousand two, right, Brian? Yes. Yeah, uh, so it, it wasn't always the best football to watch, but that didn't mean it wasn't fun. And so when I look back in 2019, I'll remember it for that's a year without Ben Roethlisberger because of his injury, and then I'll, I'll remember it as just a, a ton of fun. I enjoyed it. Dave, did you have something to say? Dave? Okay, I tried to hit my unmute, and it didn't work, so I got it that time. I It's funny because... Jeff, so the season wasn't boring for you because I seem to recall last year in the Super Bowl when there wasn't very many points scored and everything, you said about how how boring it was when it was all defense. Well, the Steelers this year were so much all defense, it, it didn't get too boring. Well, they also took the ball away so much. Yeah. That's fun. Yeah, it, is. it wasn't just, you know, it wasn't, <laughs> it just, wasn't just stop them, punt, stop, punt, exactly. Stop, punt. It yeah, wasn't just like bang, like banging your head against one. There were takeaways. I mean, 38 takeaways. We went That's from, crazy. we just talked about that. And you bring in, you add in Minka Fitzpatrick, and he brings in a whole new dynamic playmaking ability that the team didn't have in the back end. Joe Hayden's taking the ball away. TJ Watts, a man child in its own self. I understand what you're saying, and I'm guilty. I did not think last year's Super Bowl was exciting because it was just, I don't know, just seemed like two defenses bludgeoning themselves to death. Uh, but at the same time, I thought this Steelers defense, because they took the ball away so much, was fun to watch. Brian, what do you think? Well, let me ask you a question, Jeff. You, in all 16 games, you picked the Steelers all 16 <laughs> games. So it's yeah. really easy to, say, to <laughs> calculate your record at 8-8. Eight and eight. But deep down, I mean, that's – would you agree that that's a heart pick? Or was your head thinking what? that they were going to win every single them? game? Yeah. I mean, nah, not, and I'm, I mean, I'm not challenging hard, you. I'm just asking. You can challenge. I mean, right. if, for instance, in week, in week one, that's a that's a hard pick. Yeah. You're going to New England in week one. I mean, that that's – I know Ben Rollins. week one. You don't know who anybody is. That's that's exactly. why you do it that's then. Exactly. If that was week two, you probably don't make that pick. But, you know, like yeah, I think about some of the games. I guess in my mind, I have yet to have a, a team that I've covered so closely, and that's that's the damning part of this, is that we all cover these teams so closely that we know – 
um, who's playing well, who's not. We're not just that everyday Joe Schmo fan that, uh, oh, who do the Steelers play this week? And they say that on Saturday. You know, that's not us. I mean, and the, the people that are in the live chat right now and listening in audio, plat, that's not them. If you're listening to this podcast in the off season, you're not that fan either. You're someone that follows this team closely all year round. And so you have more of an educated thought process when it comes to picking. And for me, because I'm an optimist, I'll always be an optimist. If I'm not optimistic, you should be concerned. I always try to, I always in my mind, Think of a way where this team, like in this in this specific situation of 2019, I guess I always thought until that last through the last three games, I knew it wasn't going to happen. This offense can turn it around and at least put up 20. You know what I mean? That's where my mind would go. And I knew the defense yeah. was good enough to keep everyone off 20. And so I'm thinking this offense is they're due for a breakout until the last three games. And then my head took over my heart and said, this offense sucks. <laughs> yeah. But and I was right. week, in, week in and week out, Jeff, you just kept saying, I mean, let's not say week in, week out. Let's look at the last week of the season where, where both Brian and I did not pick the Steelers to win because we're like, we just don't trust this offense to score too many good things have to happen. Things have to be lined up right for this team to score. You were the optimist that said, I think they can line up right and they can do it. You know, but what was the score yeah. though? I predicted huh? 13 10 with a defensive touchdown. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and, and I, because you're like, if things line up right, they can pull this off. And that's why we love you for that. We think it's great. You are the one that, if there's a way that they could pull it off, you're going to figure out the way. You knew it would take a defensive touchdown to win that game. So therefore, you yeah. went with it. You rolled with it. And kudos to you for sticking by it. All season. I am the violinist on the on the Titanic. deck of the Titanic <laughs> until that sucker goes down. That is me 100 percent just playing along. No, nothing to see here, folks. Just keep on keep on keeping on, you know. So and I'm right. usually yeah, that, that guy, but I feel like I, I was broken this year. I well, I think I feel like I got broken this year. I'm not going but in away. what way? I so do you do you think this do you think this has hurt you forever or is this just a yearly? A, no, I year? I think this year's an aberration, um, and an injury turns things into an aberration. But and I'm talking about your gut feeling about the team. You said you're normally optimistic. But well, you, but you my, got broken. I felt broken because I just did not feel with the injuries and with everything that was happening with James Conner and Juju Smith-Schuster that it just was ne never going to be good enough this year. And I felt like they were winning, like I've said, winning with mirrors all year long. Um, it, it just seemed like, look back. Uh, you, uh, you mentioned earlier we're going to talk about the best game of the year. The thing for me is, I don't, I can't think of a dominant win. There wasn't one. There wasn't one that they, we were waiting. We were just hoping one win where they just run away with it. And so I feel like I just, uh, my optimism, like everybody, people that know me call me Jolly Brian. And, uh, well, you might not call me that, Jeff, but I mean, the, the, I'm the happy, my best friend used to call me happy go lucky without the lucky, which I'm, I'm actually a lot more lucky lucky than anybody knows but my thing is like this year it's just like i just didn't see it happening i was waiting for the other shoe to drop all year and that's not me so something broke me this year 
I'm coming back. Trust me. Jolly Brian's coming back. I think it was a combination of you didn't you didn't know what you had in your quarterbacks and you definitely didn't know what you had in the person coaching your quarterbacks and you didn't trust, you know, and with, and the two things working together, you couldn't trust that they would both get it straight because it would, it took both of them getting it straight in order for them to turn it around. And I still don't know which one it was. Was it the quarterbacks with that bad? Was it the offensive coordinator was that bad? Was it a little bit of both? Yeah. All right. Well, let's let's go through this exercise. It's going to be the final thing we do on the show. We have six different six different categories, and they're all dating back to the 2019 season in some way, shape, or form. And I want you all to answer the questions to the best of your ability. And if you're in the live chat right now and you want to chime in and let us know what you think as well, please do. We're going to start off with a question that Brian already alluded to, and that is, what was the best game of 2019? Now, you can view this in a bunch of different ways. You can say what was the best game in terms of was it a tight game? Maybe the Steelers didn't even win the game. In 2019, what was the best game? We'll start with you, Dave, because Brian's looks to, still a little stumped up there. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm trying to, to look up some uh, – I wanted some stats to go along with it now that I thought of it. To, to me, the best game was – that was week four against the Cincinnati Bengals when unfortunately on the second play on offense, Deontay Johnson fumbles, they get the ball down there close. The Steelers keep them out of the touchdown zone. They kick a field goal. They go down three to nothing and they don't give up another point the rest of the game. That was the best game for me. Okay. What about you, Brian? Have you thought I, of one yet? Yeah. I, I was thinking about uh, the Colts game, just how that, that game made me smile. Um, pick six, pick six. Yeah. And also I picked the correct score of that game. And I just realized that after I, uh, I picked the Colts game, but that was just a game that with that pick six and with everything that was happening in that game, you kind of, that's when you started to feel, Hey, maybe they might be able to put something together. And that was a good feeling game for me. I'm I'm going to go with uh, what I thought was probably there were two crescendos of the season for me, and the first one was the larger of the two, and that was the win over the Rams at Heinz Field. You have a team that was in the Super Bowl last year, comes to Heinz Field. Pittsburgh had won, I want to say, three or four in a row, and remember how the game started. Snap over Mason Rudolph's head, scoop and score. You're down seven, nothing before you can even I know. Thinking, I was there. What is going <laughs> on? And they came back and they came back and won it. I think the other crescendo was when they beat Cleveland in Pittsburgh two weeks after the week 11 fiasco. So those two games stick out for me in a positive way. Let's go to the other side of the ledger now. Worst game in 2019. Sadly, there might be more games to choose from. <laughs> we'll, <laughs> we'll go in the same order. Dave, what about you? What do you think? Okay, although I, I feel it was the bookend of the season, I've got to go with what's fresh. It was that it was that horrendous offensive performance in week 17. That they just that when you knew the other team was going to run the ball and you gave up 200 yards rushing, and you just 
couldn't produce any offense that entire game. You had one 75-yard drive that went – the only real drive of the whole game that was a legit scoring drive for either team that wasn't set up with something else that ended in a touchdown. But then that was it. They didn't have another drive over 28 yards the whole game. So I have to go with that last Ravens game. What about you, Brian? I was going to originally go with the New England game, but Dave, you're absolutely correct. That And the reason I want to go with that Baltimore game as well is even though I did not expect them to win that game, it was just the fact how they were embarrassed and how that other team, that those purple buttholes, just uh, all, I mean... <laughs> And I will call them. I don't care. I mean, blast me on YouTube and I'll look at it tomorrow. And I'll, I mean, I hate John Harbaugh. I mean, I don't think anybody knows that. And Nap 1963 put that as the favorite, the favorite uh, nickname of the year, Wang Harbaugh. But here's the thing they went out of their way to embarrass a team that was broken. That team was broken and they went out of their way to embarrass it. And, um, Carly just put something about 2020 being a revenge tour for the Steelers. It will start with Baltimore. And uh, that's if you're looking for vengeance and you're the Steelers, that's the team you go after. You target. You have the bitterest of bitter tastes in your mouth after that game. I mean, after the Patriots game, which I hated, I kind of expected it because it was just, you know, you know it was the Patriots. And they were going up there. They were the, Defending champs, there's that magic and having that prime time game in week one. So I kind of, I kind of figured that was going to happen. But this game, with just in my preface, it I live in Maryland. You guys live in Maryland. We, how much have you heard this week? After the game, I'm going to tell you guys this. After the game, my wife said, "Could you go pick up our daughter at a friend's house?" Um, I'm like, "No." I won't go there. They're Ravens fans, and they'll make me want to punch them. They're the nicest people, but I will probably strike an 11-year-old, and that would be really bad because I love children. But I knew this kid was going to badger me, which I would have never done. But here's the thing. I just feel that that game, if you can't get inspired by how bad that game hurt next year, then you don't have a beating heart in your body. It's tough to go against that one. I'm, I will, though. I'm going to find, uh, and I think it was a much more significant spot in the season, and that was week 15. Buffalo Bills, you guys were there. They flex it to prime time. The spoon win. I'll be honest with you. I'm surprised nobody went with with the Thursday night Cleveland game. That was pretty well, bad, too. It was a debacle. It was a debacle, yeah. and that was bad. To me, they were very parallel games, yeah. minus the Miles Garrett fiasco at the end. But the Buffalo game, if Pittsburgh wins that game, we're talking, we're previewing a play a playoff game. Yeah. Instead of talking the about question what was, was were you the five seed? That's what that game that was supposed to be the game to who was the five and who was the six. And instead it was who was left out. But I know a lot of people are saying about the Patriots game. To me, that feels like a different Steelers team for some reason. I mean, there's so much with no Ben and with Minka. It just, that seems so far away. Yeah, granted, it was bad. You just went there and completely laid an egg after all the prep leading up to it. But it just doesn't seem like the same team to me as, as the rest of the season. 
All right, so there you have it. Let's go to the best moment of the season. And it could be any moment. You have to think about a situation or something that took place during the season that you thought was the best moment. Uh, Brian, do you know I have one off the top of your head? Off of the top of my head, I'm probably going to go with uh, Mika Fitzpatrick against the Colts. That was just a moment that I thought was just special, that pick six. Dave, what about you? Um, yeah, I was thinking from that game, you could you could go uh, in the opposite direction and say the Vinatieri's missed field goal at the end of that game was quite a moment. But uh, I'm I'm gonna go with the with the with the Deontay Johnson touchdown on the all out fire blitz send everybody at the very end of the first half against the Dolphins that got them right back in the game. I mean, that was, they were going to, they, they had a chance of losing to a team that hadn't won a game yet. And they were down 14, nothing. And that kind of brought it back a little bit. So I thought that was just a kind of a turning point of, of that game, especially since I was there, that was pretty electric being there for that one. And especially because you hate Deontay Johnson. Oh yeah, of course. You know, uh, Deontay, after the game, said I was motivated by Dave Schofield's <laughs> hatred for me. I need uh, I need to win him. If I could win him, I could win anybody. I I, I was gonna say I, I'm gonna I was gonna say something about Deontay Johnson's punt return in Arizona. Um, but I'm gonna take Darren's and I think this is this is tremendous. Best moment <laughs> I saw that program <laughs> hey, pick out of it. Good yeah, for we did. Yeah. That's a tough moment right there. Good job, guys. Good job. XEDB puts two bucks in the tip jar and says, uh, love the show, guys. Uh, there you go. Thanks, Eddie. We appreciate you as always. All right, guys. Worst moment. I'll go first. I'll let you all go first. And that was the fiasco in Cleveland. By far, that was the worst moment, in my opinion, with Miles Garrett and all the stuff that took place after that and the accusations. And it was ugly. Ugly, 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 period. So that was my worst. What about you, Brian? I got to go with Juju Smith-Schuster fumbling the ball against Baltimore in week Ooh. five. Oh, that's that a, a good yeah. one, too. Brutal, that, brutal. That, was, that was the uh, the turnover that, I, I'm not going to say killed the season, but it jump-started the Raven season. If you beat, you know, I could honestly say, you beat the Ravens there. The Ravens don't go on that run. I actually don't think they You're do. Probably right. Yeah. You're probably right. What about you, Dave? Well, I can't disagree with either one of your guys. Those are, I think they're obvious. So I'm going to, I'm, I'm actually going to give you two, which I think are a little bit uh, uh, close one because I was there and one just because of what it was. The, the James Conner fumble right after you got the turnover against San Francisco, where you were just trying to 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 hold on to win that game, and then he fumbles it right back to him for them for them to go on to win. That was pretty bad. And then the other one where where Brian and I were sitting there together right after Renegade, and they hit the super long pass to just go right down the field, just that pass alone, and then just that entire drive that they just went down and shoved it. I mean, took the lead right there. But that was just, yeah. Jeff, would you agree that Dave Schofield is probably one of the nicest of all men you have ever met? Because I would probably say he's probably one of the nicest he, he'd people be up ever. there. Yeah, and he'd be up towards the top. 
sitting next to him. I th- actually thought, Dave, you were going to say the uh, wildcat fumble <laughs> because <laughs> I have right. never seen him angrier. I, I thought, Brian, I blocked that out of my head. That's what I should have said. I yeah, I've blocked that. I was I couldn't get over it. I I did not get over that the whole time. Brian's dropping me off at my front door at five a.m. and I still was not over that decision, was I? Oh, it was a uh, it was brutal. I mean, that man was so mad. <laughs> Yep. Again, right after a turnover. That was right after Steven Nelson's turnover. Yeah, when he returned uh, the interception. And give it right back. That there was, was a one, trend. There for... was one play that was a penalty that they got moved from the 20 to the 10, and then that was the next play. Okay, we're going to take these next two. We're going to wrap them into one package so to, to save us some time so we can get to the after party. Um, best player and worst player for the season. Um, who could, it could be uh, anyone offense, defense doesn't matter. Dave, we'll start with you. Um, I'll take the obvious best player should be defensive player of the year. TJ Watt. He just did so much for everything. I really liked what he did this season. Just great all around defensive player and worst player. I will, I will take the, the other obvious one that was, um, someone's high, high point of the season of when we, of when we cut Dante Moncrief. I mean, when was it Rudolph's first pass? I don't know if it was his very first pass, but that went right through his hands for a first down for an interception and stuff like that. And there was so much hype with him coming in that uh, he was he was going to be your number two behind Juju, and uh, he was a different kind of number two, if you know what I mean. Yeah, what about you, Brian? So I'm actually going to take the cop out, but. I really think Chris Boswell had a magical year. Oh, yes. And yeah, so yeah. I'm actually, I mean, I could very, there's other guys that you could definitely go with, but I want to say best player week in and week out. You knew he was money this year. You never worried, especially after a couple games. You never worried when that, if he lined up for a 57 and he didn't, but if he did, you're like, yeah, Boz has got this. He was just back on track. Um, I'm going to surprise some some players with uh my worst player i'm gonna say marquise pouncey i knew that's what you're gonna say and i love marquise pouncey um i he's one of my current favorite players but he just had a rough year and he's the anchor of an offensive line that had a rough year i is it safe to say with that brian that if it wasn't for how good that he's been in his career is what set him up to be disappointed with how he played this year yeah, it's safe to say that. It's um, that's also the reason he was uh, named to the Pro Bowl this year because of, yeah. I mean, lifetime achievement award. Yes. Okay, I, I was going to go with Minka Fitzpatrick, obviously for best player. Um, he just transformed that entire defense. Worst player, you guys kind of took some of mine that I was going to use. Um, I'm tempted to put James Conner and Juju Smith Schuster as worst players, because I, I look at worst players. I think of what are the expectations for you? Yeah. You could say Ryan Switzer, but did people really have high expectations for Ryan Switzer? I didn't, but everyone did for Juju and James Connor and they didn't live up to that. So there you go. We, we lived 2019 as best as we could. I hope you all enjoyed it. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you're someone that has never checked out the after party, stick with us in about five minutes. We'll be right back here live on YouTube, a separate show you'll get a separate notification and we'll be talking about some stealer stuff and some not stealer stuff otherwise 
Dave is on the Steelers burning question this week, right, Dave? Yes, I was planning on doing that as long as we're still doing the Steelers burning question. It is my turn. That's right. Yep. And Lance will be on tomorrow for Yeah, I Said It, so check him out. We will hopefully see you in a few minutes in the after party. See you.